to episodio número 24 of Otra por favor. Otra por favor. How are you guys today? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, I used to say, how are you, David? But now we have, you know, Coke and we have Baby Blue as a guest. So, uh, you know, we it's one of the episodes that I, when I first, another one that, you know, that when I was starting the podcast, thinking of ideas, it was like, you know what? I want to have David Blue, like, in a, in a podcast and talk about, like, him and his process of, of you know, being a cinematographer or director. And uh, without any further ado, in this studio we have... David Blue Garcia, how are you today, hey, David? I'm, I'm great. Thanks, sir. Thanks for having me here. Thank you, man. Thank you. How uh, how is everything for you right now? Um, how is life in general? Uh, life is good, man. I'm I'm you know I'm relaxing a lot. I'm not working. Uh, I just finished a major project and uh, taking a bit of a break um, and looking for my next big movie, my next project. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, can you so. Can you share, before we get started, can you share a little bit about you, where you're from originally and, you know, what it actually you act. So besides directing, you know, what other work you have done in the past? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a filmmaker now. Um, I directed, I've directed two feature films. Um, my first one was Tejano and uh, my second one is Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, for legendary pictures. And they're both, you know, they have something in common, Texas being a part of the title. Um, so I'm kind of a Texas filmmaker right now. Um, and I, I, it was a long windy road to get to this position, um, to where I'm directing movies and being able to say, I make a living as a filmmaker. Um, you know, from before that I was a cinematographer, as you said, and a director of commercials, industrials, corporate videos, anything I could get my hands on, uh, here in Austin, Texas. So, okay. yeah. Okay. And what do you guys think? Uh, David, I'm happy to have you here, man. It's it's an honor. Dude. Really, you're one of the people I look up to as far as a creative person. Um, one thing I wanted to kind of get to know about you is how, where you're from shaped you and allowed you to be the person you are. Yeah, I mean, happy to talk about that. I'm uh, I'm from the Rio Grande Valley, which is a hey. big part of my identity. Um, what are nine five six? Yeah, I still have the valley number nine five six. For those of you guys who don't know, it's just uh, it's a region of Texas on the South Texas border uh, near Mexico. Um, I grew up about thirty minutes from the border. You know, during high school, we would sometimes skip class and drive down and and go, you know, dancing or go get some cheap drinks uh, in Mexico, <laughs> yeah. in Nuevo Progreso, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's just a different experience um, growing up down there. I, I think it's kind of like it's a transitional place between uh, Mexico, a totally different country, and in America, it's not quite like either place. Uh, it's not quite like Texas, not quite like Mexico. Um, you know, a lot of Spanish is spoken down there, um, but a lot of English is spoken down there too. It's kind of just a mix and match sort of thing. I've lost my audio on this. Yeah. It's probably just that cable in the bottom. Oh, okay. You just have to push it in. Oh, this one? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So it's a really interesting place. Um, and then, you know, from a young age, I, I fell in love with movies and and decided like sometime in around middle school or high school, early high school that I wanted to be uh, a filmmaker, make movies. And uh, it was just like a decision I made that sort of shaped the next 20 years of my life. What, uh, David, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, and uh, like Koga said, uh, thank you for being here, man. We're we're excited to have you here. Um, yeah, from the 956, um, what's uh, what's good? Uh, what's uh, your favorite thing from, from the Bayou? Oh, the favorite thing to do? Yeah. Um, you know, I, <laughs> uh, I mean, I always liked, uh, I, I like that it's, it's a unique region. I mean, it's, um, it's close to South Padre Island. Mm -hmm. It's close to like the beach. So it's really cool. Like you're, you know, you're living in McAllen, Brownsville, Harlingen, wherever. Um, and you're out, it's a very agricultural place. So you go out there, there's like beautiful, like long flat horizons with like lots of fields, like orchards, grapefruits, citrus, cotton. It's just an interesting landscape. And then like you can drive 30, 45 minutes and you can be on the beach mm -hmm surfing yeah. you could go to nice you know dance clubs you can go deep sea fishing um and then you can also go south you can go down to mexico you can go to matamoros or reynosa and like go shopping uh it's just a, it's an interesting place um it's got a lot of really good food really good tex-mex food 
um, and you know its own unique culture. So yes. I appreciate it for that. That's good. So David Blue Garcia, because um, you can have you added your your mom's maiden name to your yeah. to your name, right? Yeah. So my um, my mother is you know she's her last name was Blue, and her family's from Florida. She's a white American, and my um, my father was born to two Mexican immigrants who came in the 1920s, I believe. Uh, they immigrated from uh, northern Mexico into uh, Texas, and they just stayed in South Texas. So. How is it uh, coming from two different backgrounds? How how did that shape you? You know, as as David Blue Garcia. Yeah, it was always it was always interesting, you know, because um, growing coming from two different backgrounds, you have a, a you know, for lack of a better word, a brown dad, and you have a white mom. You know, you kind of feel like you're in between worlds. You're you're not quite Mexican American. You're not quite white either. You yeah. Know? So it was it was interesting growing up that way. I wasn't really part of the white kids in the valley because. <laughs> In the valley, like, in the valley, like the white kids, like a, a lot of the times, they're they come from like landowner families, like big farming families. Um, so they own like all the land that you see, you know. And so they they go out and they, they have four wheelers and they have tractors and they do all that stuff. And and then a lot of the Mexican Americans aren't aren't quite the same, you know what I mean? So I don't know. It's just interesting that how the groups sort of divide up down there. I mean, that's pretty broad, but I mean. Yeah. It is kind of how it is sometimes. Well, I think it's in general. I think it is like that. If you look at even Austin, you know, some parts of it, you already know, yeah. like, the demographics, yeah. which... Mm. But I would say, I mean, it, it's kind of shifting because, you know, you have more and more ethnicities moving to neighborhoods that right. in the past, you know, like, would be like, oh, dang. Like, they say from, from my side of town, I live very close to, like, Nepalese. Literally, I would say about eight Nepalese families just in really? two blocks. Yeah. So the interaction is my ring camera is always going off because of the motion because they like to walk from one house to the other. Oh. And they're always cooking it up by around six o'clock. That's interesting. So, yeah, I would say in the valley, at least when I was there, because I haven't been there in a long time, but I lived there for 18 years. It's not that diverse, though. I mean, there's there's like Mexican-Americans, white people, and there's just like nobody else. <laughs> like We had like two black guys in my school. And like I ran track with one of them and you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, and then we yeah. had like one Asian foreign exchange student. Like that's that crazy. was, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So like when I came to Austin, I was like, Oh, there's like all <laughs> these other people <laughs> yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. finally getting to meet, you know, from different countries and different cultures. And yeah. I, I grew up a little mm -hmm. bit, uh, yeah. just one culture. So that's, that's good, man. Now, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, if you look at our soccer, you know, Uh, David is part of our pretty much our, our anarchist, yeah. anarchist soccer slash Bailey's FC slash uh, Ernie's uh, <laughs> league game slash <laughs> everything, and it's very diverse how we all hang out. You know, Raj is from India, I believe. Mm -hmm. You know, we have uh, Gozi from yes, Nigeria, Gozi from Nigeria, me from El Salvador, yeah, yeah. and Ecuadorians, pretty international group yeah. for who's sure. That? Who's the Ecuadorian? Esteban. Esteban. Oh, he's Ecuadorian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Manuel, Manuel is Colombian. Colombian. Yeah. We, definitely, we definitely have a lot of representation yeah. in, our, in our pickup soccer group. Yeah. Uh, for those of y'all who don't know, um, Dave, one thing I'm interested about is the transition. You know, you, you grew up in a small town. Yeah. Coming to with a very similar backgrounds. And then you come to Austin, you go to the University of Texas. What is that like? What, what was that transition like? I mean, it's definitely like, Super eye-opening, right? I mean, um, coming from a small town and being kind of a big fish in a small pond because, like, I was – I wasn't the top of my class. I actually had kind of bad grades. But uh, <laughs> I would be – I would be, like, I would test higher in, in my grade than most people. And I was, like, you know, I was on, like, the dance court and stuff like that. I mean, I was, like, some kind of popular or whatever. But um, I don't know. Coming to Austin, you're just like, oh, there's, like, way more people that are, like – way smarter than me and you know uh way more driven than me and they know way more because they come from all these all over the world really and and that that was eye-opening to me just basically meeting people that were like from new york and meeting people from connecticut and or other countries um it you know it just made me feel like i've got a lot to learn you know yeah, for sure yeah did you get to travel when you were younger to different places or? i mean not really um 
I mean, I'd just been like to the border, Mexico, and uh, around the country a little bit, like in the southern states, Colorado, California. I had some family in California, but I'd never been abroad beyond that. Yeah. So I started traveling in college and after. Yeah, got to see a lot of things. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And now, like I would say, your line of job, you get to travel a little more. Yeah, luckily that. with my job, uh, you know, I was a videographer, cinematographer. A lot of jobs would take me like to different places around the world. Like one, one of my favorite jobs that I ever did was in 2012. This guy hired me to shoot a documentary on religion that he was trying to make. And we, we flew to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Then we went to Morocco and went to Casablanca and Marrakesh and then some village in the Atlas Mountains for like two weeks. And then we went to Kenya and we went to uh, Nairobi and then we went to um, Kisumu, I believe, you know, which near like Obama's dad's hometown. Okay. And uh, saw Maasai, you know, tribesmen and all sorts of crazy stuff. And then went to India after that to Varanasi. And that was like that took like a month, but um, I saw so much in that in that one trip. So, what year was this? 2012. And one of my That's biggest funny. regrets was I wasn't playing soccer back then. But I went to uh, <laughs> man. I went. To, when did you start playing soccer? <laughs> Oh, well, that's another story, but <laughs> okay. I, I got I to gotta go like to like, I got to go back to Brazil because I went to Rio de Janeiro and they have the favelas there, right? which are these big slums, like, you know, just around the city or like nestled into the hills. They're, they're actually quite beautiful. Um, and, but you know, there's like stacks of houses that are just built just up in the hills and they're really crowded together, but they have a lot of these little soccer courts mm-hmm. um, because I think the government went in and built the soccer courts and helped them improve the favela. And uh, I witnessed like a game, like just in the neighborhood, like these guys playing like in a small, like a five versus five court. And I mean, I wish I could have jumped in. <laughs> oh. It was so much fun. It's a beautiful game, man. It's a yeah. universal language, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's the one thing, I guess. Whenever you're, if you're, if you play soccer, I mean basketball, possibly, but play if you play soccer, it's gonna be, I think, easier for people to get around. Right. It's, it's universal. It's like so a anywhere. like a like universal language. Yeah. So. I, my goal is to play soccer in like every country or place that I visit. Okay. Yeah, I haven't been able to play abroad very much, but uh, which countries have you played? Uh, I've only played in states. Okay. In, in, in here in the U.S. Yeah, I, I remember you telling me playing in San Diego, I believe, or somewhere in there. L.A. Yeah, yeah I played. Yeah. I played in L.A. Yeah, yeah, I were... played in like Indiana. I played in like Houston, New York, Central Park. I found a game. But uh, I haven't been able to find a game overseas yet. Nah. Yeah, we're gonna have to. You know. I went to uh, I went to Croatia one year, and I was on this little island, and they had this like uh, big, beautiful soccer field, and I saw a team like playing. So I went, I went over there, and I asked them if I could play. And they were like, no, we're a professional team. <laughs> <laughs> Travis, last week. You probably had like Modric or Rakitic, yeah. you know. And I was like, all right, well, can I at least get a picture with you guys? And uh, I, took a picture, <laughs> I took a picture with the team. And they were like huge, man. Yeah, like, I'm, yeah. you know. Athletes. Uh, yeah. yeah. They were, well, they're, they're really tall over there. And they were like, and maybe the shortest guy was 6'1", you know. <laughs> so I just looked like a little kid. So <laughs> Imagine if you take that. I beat. know. I, I, that's what I was gonna say. I don't want to be next to anybody like that. Yeah, like playing playing in Bailey. Like I feel like I'm one of the taller guys sometimes, you, are, yeah. you know. But like when I go over there, but but that's the great thing about soccer too is that you doesn't. There's no one body type that's good at it. Like yeah, some of the best true. players in the world have been very small. So that's what I love about it. You know. Yeah, you don't. I, I think for me, anytime there's like, oh, this player is six foot. I'm like, so what? Yeah. <laughs> like it's just about. I would say about. How how good can you stay physically on a two hour like two hour game you know mm-hmm. overall, and it's because it's continuous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that has to do more than just uh, even the body type. Right, uh, like for me, it's just yeah. I mean, for headers, obviously, if you're taller, it's gonna be easier for you to score a game uh, a goal, you know, in a header and a corner kick. But mm-hmm. you know, if you're 
defender. You might be a little more, you know, built, but even I've seen defenders that are smaller that can defend better than the guy that's like six foot five and can barely run, you know? Yes, mm -hmm. because you just have to position yourself better. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. So it's just strategy right. and vision, right? Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know, Blue plays with some of the craziest energy I've ever seen. That's true. <laughs> yes. yeah. Sometimes there's no way to stop him. You just kind of got to get in front of him. Um, I'm curious if that's uh, if that's kind of how you work professionally. Are you? Is that? Do you have the same dimension? Is, is that how you are? Or is there? Because we know Blue, the soccer player, right? Yeah. The footballista. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is Blue? Yeah. The director, the I filmmaker. I don't know. I think there's different versions depending on my my mood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, I've had people come up to me and say, like, oh, you're you're very calm. Like, you're very, like, you know, calm and patient and whatever. And I, I'm like, I'm always surprised because I don't feel that way yeah. on the inside, you know. But then I also know that sometimes I get really energized and I, I start um, not yelling, but, like, raising my voice to like direct people and like get the, get people motivated right. and like yeah. get kind of crazy. And I, I grab the camera, <laughs> and I, you know, there's like a certain energy. And as a, as how, a, how do you get more ready with the camera? You're like, Hey, wait, or? Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm like, a, I come from a camera operation, like cinematography. Okay. So like as a director, that's always my, my, that's my pacifier, mm -hmm. right? If I feel like I'm losing control of a set or something, what I want to do is I want to grab the camera because the camera, that thing, is what the audience sees. And if you have control of that directly, it, it makes you feel like you're in control of something. So I, I often grab the camera and, and start making the ship move. Um, you know, it's like maybe closest to what I am on the field. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but when I was a little kid, I, I played, I only played soccer until I was like 10 or 11, just like, you know, little league or whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. And uh, they just had me as as sweeper because I don't think I was very good, but I was very aggressive. So I would just like tackle everybody. That's what they did. They I can relate to that. They had, me, they had me in the back, just like slide tackling anyone coming towards the goal. So like that was my job. You know? And uh, it's funny because whenever we see uh, Stevie and Blue going at it, oh, or man. Manuel and Blue, I've never seen Manuel like <laughs> like in the floor. Like this, and blue on the top. <laughs> that, that was that was a funny the highlight of like the season. I would say that year in oh, particular. Yeah. I got a little, little carried passions away, can run high. Yeah, nah. Every now and then, even though it's just pickup. Yeah, we're, we're all, I feel like we all have a, a level of competition, and uh, and we just don't like to lose sometimes. But yeah. at the end of the day, uh, win or lose, we we have a lot of fun, and yeah, and yeah. we've gotten a chance to get to know each other a little bit more, and I think that's what we can really take value in. Yeah, passions can get really high as we play and then outside whenever you hang out with Cesar and those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to throw it Sole out mio. there. Sole, <laughs> Sole mio. Uh, but how, um, so talking more about, you know, being a, like say recording, you just grab it, first time you grab the camera, um, do you recall the first time you were like, I'm shooting this thing and I feel like this is something I maybe want to do or did it, took, did it take a while for you to, pick up that, that yeah I, I totally remember like I was um skateboarding you know in a parking lot with some friends and we we're like seventh grade or something like that and maybe the summer and this one guy had his dad's video camera mm -hmm. and uh and you know he they were he was trying to film us do stuff like skating around mm -hmm. but I, I wasn't very good like I got my skateboard after everyone else so I wasn't like able to ollie or really do anything other than just glide around mm -hmm. yeah so you know, uh, at some point I was like, dude, let me just, let me just take the camera. I'll film you because you're better than me, you know? Okay. And so he let me have the camera. So I started, I got the camera and then I would, you know, okay, go, go ahead. And it just started with those little simple, like getting him filming those skateboard tricks, you know? And, uh, and, and then I'd be like, okay, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do that from over here now so that we can edit it together. So like it, you start the trick here and then a cut yeah, and then you finish the trick over here. There and then go. that little bit of magic of like making him, we, we started making jokes out of it, you know, like he would ollie over some stairs. Right. And then it would look like he was like ollieing up some big stairs, right. And then yeah. cut, And then he just cut to him on top, just like a simple yeah. like, visual joke. You know what I mean? Because he couldn't actually go all the way up. Um, anyway, I just, I just enjoyed that um, process and that just led into like short films and skits and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So it's interesting. You describe some of these earlier um, film filming experiences very action driven you know skateboarding mm -hmm. and 
your movie Tejano was very action driven as well. Um, is that something that um, you're drawn to? Yeah, yeah, I'm drawn to action. I'm drawn to action. You're all about that action. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm drawn to action, action adventure stories, suspense, you know, horror. Um, you know, I don't. You know, I love I love dialogue, but I want I want I want to see things that excite me. So, right. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. Uh, even even your some of your sh- shorts, like the Nintendo Switch. Oh yeah. Video you made. It's an awesome video, man. <laughs> I'll tell you, you made it right around the time where. I believe we were in quarantine yeah right mm. and that was the whole premise of it for those of you who don't know dave's just playing a nintendo switch and he's playing what was it fifa mm-hmm. and he's looking outside and thinking this would be much better to do outside and he goes out and he starts playing soccer and noticing his touch is a little off but <laughs> <laughs> i didn't have to act very much <laughs> but it had comedy and it had it had that that grace and um that soccer action that when I watched it, I, I was, it reminded me how much I loved playing, like how much I loved being outside with, with, with everybody here, you know, and Bailey. Um, so yeah, it, it inspired me. I even commented on the video. I'm like, dude, I gotta go. I gotta go play at Bailey's now, man. This yeah. video. <laughs> I'm glad it, I'm glad it inspired you, man. Yeah. And I, you know, and then you invited me to come back too. And I was like, yeah, it's time. Like, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't be doing this anymore. <laughs> I think we're all trying to keep it like in the low key because uh, it was like June. I mean, around June, right? Whenever we, we started first coming started back, coming back, so, yeah, and we didn't really message a lot of people because I didn't know how people would feel about it. Yeah. But then over time, we started seeing more people show up, and you know, even if they were wearing a mask, it's like, man, as long as you come up and play, that's all that matters. Because you you were like, you know, doing that, and how was it like playing with a mask, man? Oh, I was playing with a mask. It was kind of like my agreement with my girlfriend yeah. um, was like, she was like, you can play, but you have to wear a mask. And I was like, fuck. All right. <laughs> she wouldn't even know, but it's like, I'm just going to do it. You're conscious. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Conscious. She's like, right by and you're over here like, hey, guys. Uh, but I, I couldn't breathe, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's funny that you say that because uh, McCallum, the, the high school that I went to, I when when the the pandemic pandemic was happening, I would see games that they would post, and everybody was wearing um, mask. And I was like, "How do they breathe? How do they play like this?" You know, yeah. Yeah. it's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever feel uh, the question is like whenever we were out playing uh, in that time? Do you feel like there was you feel safe? You feel like some exposure? How how was your feeling for you in that moment? No, I mean, I felt I felt safe to be safe. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, because I think that's one thing we were. I think we were all talking about that last time because everybody was like, "Man, for some reason, I feel safe here compared to like going even to to the store because mm-hmm. we're out there, you know." Yeah. And, and then the dust helped too. Well, they, yeah, they say like it's hard to get it outside, right? So in that way, we were we were very safe, but we were also like running up against smashing bodies <laughs> like bodies together all the time so <laughs> the ball, yeah all that yeah hey i'm just glad nobody got sick as far yeah. as we know nobody, yeah, yeah. nobody got sick and it yeah. was safe for everybody mm-hmm. i mean the one that kept asking me if we were gonna start playing was felicia she kept messaging me hey are you guys playing and i would tell her yeah some of us are playing right now mm-hmm. and i was like come out if you want and she's like no i'm, I'm waiting because of the vaccine and yeah. all that so but yeah I guess we all needed that that stress reliever, man. For sure, that, that outlet. Because yeah. it, it was hard, dude. I mean, just being in there, like you know, so I don't know, like what people's like, how how everything was for everyone. But I guess the fact that we're out there just playing as it was just like a yes, some kind of normality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blue, do you have any other uh, hobbies or um, passion projects that we don't know about that maybe isn't f- filming per se, but it's a creative outlet or something that you like to do to uh, relieve some stress or just be sane. Man, it's really like it's like film and soccer. To be really? honest, yeah, it's life. That's life. Film and soccer is life. I'm also <laughs> I also paint. Like I, I do watercolor paintings oh. and like landscape paintings nice. and stuff like that. Where I don't go outside and look at the whatever the river's doing and try to try to match the color and all nice. that. But yeah, I don't really share any, any that with anyone it's not, not very good but uh yeah i paint and and draw sometimes uh, i used to play guitar a lot but i don't i don't do that anymore yeah. i i remember a lot of you would post a lot of your sketches uh yeah. like your bubble sketches I, what, what would you call them like comic style yeah like 
comic little cartoons. Yeah. Is that um, something that you use in your process to think yes. ideas through whenever you're making storyboards or something for your movies? Yeah, that's exactly it, man. When I, when I do a movie or, or have an idea, I, I start drawing. And, and when I start drawing, that's the action, right? I always have to be doing something and the action makes me think of things. And then, and then the story forms more completely in, in my brain, you know? Which is probably why I like soccer so much. It's like visual, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's all about the pieces moving around. Right. It's very stimulating, but yeah, I use cartoons to sort of help think through things. Right on. Cool. And regarding going back to, to, you know, doing like video recording and then film, do you, do you have someone that influenced you uh, besides, and after the moment that you picked up the camera, you were like, you know what, this, that this, you know, person influenced me or, uh, in a specific project? Yeah. I mean, I think we're like a collection of, you know, we're influenced by literally everything, you know, we see in a way, but uh, I was always, if you're talking about filmmaking, like I was always super inspired when I discovered Robert Rodriguez, when I was, you know, in high school, I had seen El Mariachi, his first movie. I don't know if you guys have heard of Robert Rodriguez. Uh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Big Austin filmmaker. Yeah very successful Mexican American guy. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, I just seeing like the name, like, Oh, I know a lot of people named Rodriguez, but there's not that many filmmakers named Rodriguez, you know, but it's cool to see that guy is he's making it and he's, he's doing something. So maybe I have a shot. Oh, and he's a Texan too. That's really cool. Oh, right. he made, he made this movie for like $7,000 famously. And, you know, um, whenever I, decided to make my own film, it was a little bit more expensive than that, mm -hmm. but it was along the same idea, which is like, just do it yourself. Mm -hmm. No one's going to, no one's going to do this for you. So you need to go, you need to get the camera, you get the actors and you just need to go. And that's what I did to make Tejano. So okay. Roger yeah, Rodriguez was a big, big inspiration for me. Is he, is he from Texas, right? I think he's from San Antonio area. San Antonio. Yeah. That's good. Uh, which that Mariachi movie, which is the one with Antonio Manderas? Mm -hmm. Okay. That, that's his. Okay. So he made El Mariachi for super low budget. Okay. And then a few years later, he remade it as Desperado. Oh. That's the one with Antonio Manderas. El Mariachi. Yeah. Doesn't have. No, it does not have Antonio <laughs> Manderas. It has like his friend, like his childhood friend. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's really low budget. Um, yeah. So. That's a good segue. Talk to us about uh, Tejano. Um, give us a brief description in your words. Yeah, I mean, Tejano is my first feature film. It's an action thriller set on the South Texas border where I was born and raised about a young farmhand named Javi who has a sick, sick grandfather. So he decides to, he needs some money to help pay the medical bills. So he goes to the cartel um, on the other side and uh, they break his arm and make him wear a cast made of cocaine and send him back across the border to collect his money. Uh, and then they double cross him and it becomes sort of a, a you know, an action thriller towards the end of the film uh, where they're coming after him and his grandfather. So it's just, it's a, it's a simple story. Um, you know, people have called it a Tex-Mex noir, mm -hmm. um, you know, with a little bit of action thrown in. And it was, a, it was a lot of fun to make. We shot it for $58,000. Um, so really, really low budget film. Um, a lot of passionate people came together to work on it. Um, crew members from Austin. We all went down there uh, to the Valley. We, we cast a lot of local uh, non-actors from South Texas. And also we brought in some actors from like Los Angeles and Austin to come fill out those roles. So it was a real passion project, like a real Texas film, very regional film that has a lot of, um, has a lot of truth to it, you know, even though it's just a, a genre story that we made up. Right on, man. Yeah. When I, when I watched it, I, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. It was, I loved it. And a lot of the things that you described about the Valley, um, and your upbringing there uh, truly shine and come out, especially like the, the landscape, the, uh, sure. The, the way you set the picture, cinematography, everything really made me feel like I was there. Um, I have, I have some family in the Valley too. So I'm familiar with driving through, seeing the windmills and you had some motifs that kept coming up with the, with the sun, the setting of the sun and the, and the windmills and just the overall region and it's kind of quietness, even though there's a lot of 
there can be a lot of chaos behind the scenes. Um, I thought that really was rich in that film. So, yeah, I mean, those those are the fields that I grew up like around. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up in a house outside of Santa Rosa. It was like a really small town. We grew up in the country, like, and we were just surrounded by cornfields. And that's what I remember as a little kid, just like just endless stretches of horizon and um, really amazing sunsets. You know, how far is each house away from? Like the neighbors, like is it like? Because over here, I mean, you're literally right next, to, like yeah, literally no, when, almost right next I, to your. When I was growing up, um, until I was like five or six, we lived. We had one neighbor across the street, and I wouldn't really call it a street. It was like a caliche road, so it's just like crushed rocks. rocks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the next neighbor was a mile down, and then like that was it. It was all fields, you know. Uh, and then we moved to the suburbs suburbs of Harlingen. So then it was just like normal, normal neighborhood. Yeah. But those formative years really like influenced me, I think. Because it felt, I mean, in some parts, it felt like some of the, of the beginning, if I can, like whenever he was in his dad, his grandpa's house, hobby, it kind of felt like an isolated thing. Yeah. But then there's like so many story, so much story behind just that isolated house, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the times in the border, especially, you know, down south by, you know, the, the valley, I'm pretty sure someone else, uh, someone somehow has a story about their particular little place. Absolutely. Something yeah. happened here, something happened there. And uh, you were able to bring that feeling. For me, that's how it felt. Um, yeah, you came to one of the screenings uh, here in Austin and, and you told me that, you know, part of Tejano reminded you of your own experience. And I'm, I'd like to hear that story. Yeah, man. Uh, so, I mean, for me, whenever I, I see, and I'm, I'm watching TV and I see the the Rio Grande, like that, I mean, across the border. So it mainly brought me like all those memories. And a lot of that, I think your movie kind of helped me heal a lot of the things like subconsciously, because every time I thought about it, it was always like a negative connotation because I felt like I didn't think much of the people that lived there, but I always thought like immigration, immigration, you know, <laughs> You know, let me get it. But then, but, but then I think uh, like your movie helped me on coping with the other side. And now there's actually good people that live in that side of town. I mean, and then, but I'm, I've always heard stuff from the other side. I mean, all the drugs and, you know, the violence, you know, the coyotes, how much they charge people. But I never really got to hear from this side, like anyone that live, especially, you know, around, because literally, it felt like a lot of that, it kind of felt like I was in it because I've actually been as, you know, as an immigrant crossing and, you know, walking through the ranches to go over, you know, the other side so we can not, so we can avoid the checkpoint. So for me, it was just more like, dang, it felt real at some point. I was just like a lot of things. But then I think it started bringing a lot of things like back, but then it started helping me process everything. And for me, that, that was a huge impact. How old were you when you did that? 14. 14 wow so you remember a lot yeah yeah Yeah. so but then again i think that that's what helped shape a lot of who i am now so Mm -hmm. but it was one of those things that i mean yeah this is a a tough one but i think the movie helped on on like you know it's getting the perspective that i guess i needed in life especially because for me somehow some part of texas kind of have a negative feeling for for some reason even though like i live here for i've lived here for so long so just thinking of that, thinking of the part of Texas, what it represents for some people, it's good, but not everybody gets a piece of that, you know, that pie. And mm-hmm. and that and part of, you know, like the work that you did in a specific, it kind of helped on leveling some stuff out for me and hashing out some things and my feelings of how do I feel about certain things, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 really proud that that it, it made you think that way and, and really feel that way because, you know, I, I want to make films that make people think and feel things, you know, yeah. make people, you know, have emotions and reactions. And obviously I don't want, you know, people to come away from films and just be like, okay, you know, <laughs> just another movie, just another movie. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really, I'm really, I'm really glad that it had, it's a complex sort of reaction. The Valley is a complex thing. It's not, yeah, definitely. it's definitely. not one thing. And, and, you know, border patrol agents are often, first generation Americans, you know, yeah, yeah you know, sure. and they're, some of them are very brown skin and you would think that they were, 
they would side with the Mexicans, mm-hmm. but they don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to like uh, understand that in a way, but yeah. um, I feel like they just feel the need of doing that just to feel superior. I don't know. It, it, it can be different yeah. know, for everybody else, but that's, that's how I see it sometimes, you know? I mean, the, the agencies on there, they have a lot, they have pretty much chokehold on the community, man. Mm-hmm. Like economically, mm-hmm. they provide pretty much most of the jobs yeah. out there. So you, you, it, it's, it's tough when you're thinking of families, like bringing food to the table, but right. that's just the nature of their business. It's very, they got to make very, very, very difficult decisions that sometimes affect people for the rest of their lives. You know, mm-hmm. um, I have family also uh, near the border in Rio Grande um, and Miguel Alemán. Tamaulipas on the Mexico side. So growing up, I would uh, go to Miguel Aleman, spend time with my grandparents at the ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, very rural, very um, open space. So uh, a lot of a lot of the scenes at Tejano reminded me of that, especially because there was an abuelo. So and that relationship that he had with Javi, um, you know, it, it made me think a lot about my grandpa as well. And mm-hmm. have, unfortunately, he's passed away, but yeah, just made me recall a lot of the memories I had with him. And that ranch was on the Tamaulipas? Yeah, in the Mexico side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aleman, that's... Uh, it's borders with uh, Roma, Texas. Roma? Okay. Because mm-hmm. I'm trying to think where where exactly... I can't remember the exact... Uh, I know it was close to Laredo, where we the hotel was. Because our hotel, we literally, like, say, for example, my hotel was, like, right here. Not my hotel, where I was staying. And then... The border was like a hundred, you know, you just have to walk like a hundred feet and the, the river was right there. You can actually see the Jack in the Box. And I remember that because I lived in California. So there was a lot of things that I, I was familiar, like, well, shit happens. I'm always going to go to Jack in the Box or something like that. That was, that was my feeling, like thinking like, you know, if, if things go south, I'm just going to go there and just hang out. So and did you cross in South Texas or? South Texas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, it was like, we went to. Laredo first, and then after that we went to, we drove to Miguel Aleman, and there's a. I do hotel. recall that Jack in the Box. Yeah, yeah, I do know. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and then there was a there's a there was I mean a hotel and like literally like on the on the road to the border and then just like yeah, all right, I guess this is where it's gonna happen. So it was pretty it was an interesting thing like overall just that aspect of you know you bringing it to, to screen where a lot of people, maybe even people here in Austin didn't know about that, you know? I definitely don't see a lot of movies set in that type of setting. So mm-hmm. I think you, you definitely give voice to a community that doesn't see their stories portrayed yeah. in, in, uh, in, the, in the media a lot, in, in movies or shows or films. So Well, Austin still doesn't know about it because no Austin film festivals accepted my film to play. Who do you want me to call out? Yeah, call you know me. Call I can call, call him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to make a few phone calls mm-hmm. after this. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey, come on, way. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to these, come on, man. You know, it's it's funny how Austin, I mean, we're probably going to switch subjects here and there, but Austin is very, it's uh, like it's either you're part of something or you're not. And then if you're not part of that something, it's hard for you to get in. Like, yeah. Do you think that that's the case here? Yeah. I think, uh, I think there's clicks in any, uh, industry and in Austin, uh, the film scene is very clicky and I, I don't think I was a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was in and out of it. Um, but I don't think I was a part of it. Yeah. How long have you been in Austin? Um, 20 years almost. Maybe wow. you've seen a yeah. crazy amount of growth. Not quite. I imagine. I got here in 20, 2003. So getting there, right? Bad at math, yeah, guys. Two years old. <laughs> yeah. oh, almost. Two years old, almost 20 years. Yeah. This, this, is, this, is, round this is the numbers guy over here. <laughs> About give or take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, depending on the month. Just to be, be on the yeah. safe side. Yeah. Well, you grew up. You grew up around here. No, no, I, I'm, I'm actually from El Salvador, but I got here really young when okay. I was 13, almost at the age oh, okay. of uh, okay. Gucci. But you, yeah. so you've been here for a while, though, too. I've been here for a while, yeah. Since yeah. then, we just stayed here. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. I've seen. You've seen a lot of yeah, change. I've seen a lot of change, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Especially on the east side, actually. Oh, the yeah. east side is unrecognizable. It's no longer, yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I've seen, I've seen a change a what, lot. What do you think about the change, like on the east side? 
Um, I mean, it's in a way uh, we talked to uh, the city council and we asked her that question because because we we really don't know uh, gentrification, right? How, how does that happen and why? And and she kind of explained to us that it's it's something that you can really stop. It's gonna happen regardless. So um, either way, the way uh, that what I think about it is that basically we're we're getting rid of all that culture and just pushing it to the side because all these new people's coming into to Austin and, and buying their houses and and I just feel like um, in the way it's it's like the it's like it, it's like always has been you know it hasn't changed like the minorities is always going to get pushed away and the people with power and, and, and money is always going to take their place mm-hmm. and and i feel like we, we think it has changed but it really i don't think it has changed at all it's exactly the same it's better for sure but but it hasn't changed mm-hmm. completely are you are you um have you ever thought of like maybe creating a movie that you know describes austin from how it is now and how it was in the past comparing it or somewhere you know where you get you know the east side of Austin, you know, the struggle, but then you get the gentrification of someone coming in and putting in a good amount of money for a house that now makes everyone around there has to raise their value in Texas. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm interested in telling fantastical stories, things that are not of real life, but, um, using the horror or the science fiction genres, I could explore these subjects. And if the right story came, I, you know, I could see doing something about that. Yeah. But I don't think I would do something literally about gentrification in Austin. Yeah, because I'll be not uh, action enough, guys. <laughs> yeah, enough. yeah, it's it's very slow, kind right. of under the scenes type action. Yeah. There, but very, very much driving forces that that, that have shaped the city mm-hmm. in a different way, kind of giving it like a different character. Um, and now with uh, the news of companies moving here, moving their headquarters here, it's just Tesla. Even a bigger <laughs> inevitable change. Oh, and guess what? Tesla, uh, Elon Musk is also taking over the valley. Yeah. What? Yeah, with the space, the space that. program, right? The spaceport. Yeah. Spaceport. Oh, sh- Dang. Yeah. You've not heard of this? Nah. Elon Musk. I, see, I try not to like. There's two people that I try not to pay attention to, is Joe Rogan and Elon Musk. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't want to be in the. I don't want to jump in that wagon yet. You got to know what they're doing yeah. though. I remember. That's I remember true. seeing something about that uh, SpaceX were leaving all the trash and whatever after the experiments or stuff like that. That that their uh, things have blow out or whatever, and they weren't cleaning that. And basically, I all I know is that. Down in Boca Chica Beach, which is right down there on the border, right outside of Brownsville, yep. just south of South Padre Island, you can see. I, I went. I went there recently. You can see the rockets. Yeah, from the the causeway from the bridge. Wow. It's really close. But uh, yeah, he bought up all that land, and he's going to launch all his rockets there. And there's there was a small uh, community of people living there, mm-hmm. and he's basically buying them out. Mm-hmm. And the people who didn't leave. They're just launching rockets in their backyard, basically. And so that's messed up. All the pollutants and things are crazy, man. And not to mention that there's, you know, that's a a nature sanctuary and there's all sorts of marshland. That, from what I know, that that area of Texas, South Texas, is rich in biodiversity Mm -hmm. and birds, sea turtles, sea turtles, a bunch of a bunch of animals that you know probably don't like rockets in their backyard. They're probably not going to live a, yeah. a good quality of life. And you can see that it's going to change the scene down there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just such an interesting place now because it, to me, uh, the Valley was always so rural. Like mm-hmm. we talked about. Yeah. Well now there's like rockets like flying into the, into space and yeah. there's like cows mooing in the foreground, you know, <laughs> it's just such a bizarre thing. There's an actual well, idea Valley. for you right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, that's actually the Texas license plate. It's like a, a cow yeah. uh, and then uh, oil, field, uh, oil field and yeah. a rocket. Well, yeah. because of NASA. Yeah. yeah. But it's so weird. I never expected it to be like the valley. Literally, it's literally the valley. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look at it, not even in Houston, like, I mean, NASA is literally, you know, down the street from Got where I used to live. Yeah. And even in the school, you never heard any, 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 like sounds of testings of rockets or ships or anything. Well, they didn't launch there. They, they launched in Florida. They launched oh, in Florida. Yeah. It's just control them. center. 
Oh. I used to love space. I used to love space. <laughs> Have you been to the NASA oh, yeah. in Houston? It's yeah. awesome, dude. I went, yeah. That was one of my favorite places to go growing up. And I did like space camp in middle school. I was such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Hey, I wish I could have done that. That's awesome. Koke, every time, like, every time we have a, like, a talk, Koke is like, he brings up the dev because he's actually experienced that. I know, so all right. Hey, guys, have you guys done this? And we're like, no. <laughs> well, so in space camp, did you get to do, like, the fake shuttle mission? We did. It was a fake shuttle mission. We had, like, seats that sat back, and we actually had, like, little NASA jumpsuits. And um, <laughs> it was crazy. We, 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 land, we landed on the moon. Were you the pilot? <laughs> Yeah, I was actually one of the pilots. I was I was the co-pilot. I wasn't the main pilot. So we landed on Not the moon. Good enough. <laughs> I didn't make the cut. We landed on the moon and we had to make a shelter out of like these uh, plastic bags and they would attack our shelter in the middle of the night and we had to make repairs with duct tape. Um, it was That's and it was awesome. a whole it was a whole you scene, man. Problem solve all that. Yeah, a problem solve like you didn't know what was going to happen, but and you had a certain amount of time because you run out of oxygen. Like I mean, that's one of the most memorable middle school experiences ever. That's incredible. <laughs> I, I've never been to NASA. <laughs> I, I've never gone. I've me either. Out. I mean, I've driven by it. You know, go to school. <laughs> one of the coolest experiences I had was, uh, you know, I was a videographer. Mm-hmm. I was shooting for Nickelodeon, uh, Nick TV, or something like that. It was a program for kids, and we went to NASA, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to go behind the scenes. And film a lot of really interesting places in in the NASA, you know, testing grounds. They have a space station replica in there. You've, have you seen it? It's like I, the International yeah. Space Station. Yeah. It's full-size replica, but I got mm-hmm. to go inside it. But the real cool thing that I got to do was they had a, a, Mars, a Mars rover um, that they had built. And they had like an obstacle course for it to go on. And oh, it's wow. this huge, like, I don't know, it had like eight huge tires and like a kind of a spidery looking thing. And yeah. I got to ride inside it. Wow. wow. Hey, you got the special access, man. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. get that. That general admission. <laughs> <laughs> so, so blue's been quiet. Blue's been quiet. I'm like, I'm just waiting for the moment to bring it in. I, don't know. I mean, I wish I, I wish I got to fly a space shuttle. Well, that's I mean, cool. He's like, I was about to, but yeah. they ran out of fuel. They didn't even give me a seatbelt in the Mars rover. <laughs> but, uh, Oh, man. Well, um, talk to us about your new project, man, the one you just wrapped up. Um, Texas Chainsaw. Actually. Thank you for listening to episode 24 of Otra Por Favor. Otra Por Favor. Please uh, join us next week for a continuation of our talk with David Blue Garcia on film, soccer, and other things. Yes, don't forget uh it's going to be get it's going to get pretty interesting about uh, stories that he has and uh, about how he traveled to another country to film a movie. Uh stay tuned. Adios. Mm-hmm.